Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily Premier League Updates Welcome to Football Social Daily Daily Premier League news and opinion every single day in podcast form You can find more from Sports Social on social media You can follow us on Twitter at The Sports Social or you can find us on Facebook Just search The Sports Social Today on the podcast Passing Late Fitness Tests we've got Nama Corn and Steve McNaughton How are we doing boys? I'm Jim Salverson as well Today we're going to be talking heroes and villains from the weekend Who gets a glowing halo and who gets red pointy horns from the Premier League's weekend action Mm. It's West Ham versus Arsenal in the Battle of the Banter Clubs tonight Who's going to embarrass themselves most in tonight's Monday Night Football And Pep Guardiola says that City can't compete with the big boys anymore should we be feeling sorry for poor old Pep no. at the Etihad? <laughs> Not a chance. Podcast done. Thanks there we go. Much. See you later. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, right, we've got some breaking news, which I suppose might not be breaking depending on when you're actually listening to the podcast. But at this moment in time, it is breaking. Reported by Sky Sports that Everton have approached Unai Emery wow. for the Everton job. Wow. Reactions, please. Don't do it. Gee, you know. For who? Everton. Everton don't do it. After the way Emery left Arsenal, and we spoke just a minute ago about West Ham versus Arsenal, I think when you sent us a little email to tee up the show, this is what we're going to be talking about, lads. You mm. said, who's the biggest shambles out of Arsenal and West Ham? <laughs> Which is a, a good way to describe it, to be perfectly honest. Everton is also equally a shambles at the moment. I think despite the fact they beat Chelsea at the weekend, brilliant win. People have been saying, give Duncan Ferguson the job. Big Dunk. <sighs> why? Proper football man, Niall. Is that why? Do you, think, do you think Duncan Ferguson should get the Everton job? In no way whatsoever. I don't do either. I and it was, I, I was saying this on yesterday's review show that anyone but Marco Silva, that's much like Jose Mourinho when he left United and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer came in, they went on this run because the toxic cloud of Jose was lifted. Mm. I'm not saying Marco Silva had a toxic cloud, but certainly there was this Pressure. weird feeling around the club. Bad you know. vibes. And it was lifted as soon as he left and we saw that in the performance against Chelsea. They play well at Goodison Park. But Big Dunk getting the job, uh, not for me. Unai Emery, well, they could do worse than Unai Emery, that's for sure. Some of the other names that have been touted about, you know, Moyes, rumours about Allardyce going back in there again. Jesus. Um, you know, some of these things that you see, you think, really, Everton, is that is that the path you want to take? 
but they also approached Pochettino, supposedly. And Poch <laughs> went, no, you're right, mate. And yeah. I'm, I've got a feeling Unai Emery might do the same. Maybe it's too soon for Emery to go straight back into another job. But the way that Everton have been defending this season, they've been conceding goals in pretty... They've conceded in pretty much every game. I can't think it of when they kept like a clean sheet. It feels like a similar job to we had to do at Arsenal, so, doesn't it? So kind why, of make why, a cohesive team out of... Why would you employ a manager who's just failed so miserably with Arsenal, a club that Everton, in all respect are trying to become mm. a, a club that bec- that you know competes in the top six on a regular basis that makes investment that's built a new stadium that wants to start a new legacy Everton have got the Arsenal blueprint and they've looked at Arsenal and they've gone well we'll take your manager that's just failed you miserably I just do not see the logic in it whatsoever yeah. I think maybe all the blame can't go to Emery at Arsenal I think there's blame above him and supposedly he didn't get the transfer targets he wanted he identified the defence as a weakness he wanted to bring in a centre back wasn't given the money he wanted to bring in Wolf Sahar wasn't given the money but at the same time you're right if he's a world class manager feels like the project if he's a world class manager top manager he gets something out of those Arsenal players he gets a tune out of them more often than he did how many times, really, when you think about it, was his bacon saved by Aubameyang or Lacazette? Mm. Pretty much every week. Aubameyang's the only one that does anything for Arsenal. Try and convince me otherwise. Give me a stick on Twitter, at the Sports Social. Let us know if you think I'm wrong. But Arsenal, really, they've got promising players, but Aubameyang is the only one. And we actually had a Wolves fan come on the podcast a couple of weeks ago when links uh, with Nuno Espirito Santo going to Arsenal were made. And he said... Well, the only real two top players that, that Arsenal have got is Aubameyang and Lacazette. Mm. The others are all bang average. I mean, you mentioned Duncan Ferguson. Some people are calling for him to get the job full-time. It is kind of that reaction, isn't it? And if you want a reaction, if you want a manager to go in and get a reaction from players instantly, then someone like Duncan Ferguson, who can go in, can say how much he loves the club, can shout about it, and that that's the kind of man who's going to get that instant one, two-game bounce. But then... It's business as usual, and they've got to get a new man in. They have, and you know, I actually enjoyed seeing Everton and Duncan Ferguson on the touchline on Saturday in that game against Chelsea. I loved his energy. Uh, I loved the vibe in Goodison Park, which is difficult for a Liverpool fan to say, obviously. And I was genuinely pleased that they got the the result there. Duncan Ferguson going to Burnley on a cold Thursday night in January and getting that kick, maintaining that energy level, maintaining that tactical discipline and intensity on the pitch, not going to happen. And he's not the right man to do the job. He's going to run out of ball boys to hug at some yeah, point as well, isn't he? he? He will, no doubt, I think a manager who comes in, would you keep him close to you? Mm. I think it'd be a good number two for someone. Right, let's move on. Let's talk about heroes and villains from the footballing weekend. Who wants to go first on this one? I'll go first. Go what, would you want to go with? Let's a, go heroes. Well, I've got I've got two of each. Did you say hero first? Yeah, let's go heroes first. Let's okay, go positive. Firstly, uh, Son, just for oh, his individual goal. What a goal! Um, Which incidentally was not Diego Maradona esque, despite the fact what they said on match of the day. Did someone comp- call it that? They did compared they? it to Diego. He only touched the ball what? once. He decided he was going to go for it. He touched the they ball get twice. It so wrong on yeah. match of the day. It's untrue. So let's just let's just get that out. Don't mention Maradona or anyone like that. Don't compare. Um, Son is Son, Maradona is Maradona. Let's it was not a even go goal. There. It was pure oh, it's a hell of a goal. Brilliant. Sonaldo and Nazarene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Nazario. Um, yeah. Nazarene. Thinking uh, of Christmas. But uh, <laughs> obviously, the way he skipped past those four challenges in his own half and just about got the crucial touch to get yeah. around the last defender and then tuck it into the net. The determination of the man was brilliant. And I just think he's coming on every season. He seems to get better and better. Um, and the fact Harry Kane scored two absolute belters in that game. Mm-hmm. Harry Kane, the way he strikes the ball, 
so true, so firm, and, and it always goes where he wants it to go. Um, but the way Son outdid him, and I think Harry Kane mentioned that after the game with his goal, was brilliant. Uh, so I, you know, I think that's just exciting to see. He's a man that needs confidence, Son, a, a bit like Deli Ali, and Jose seems to be squeezing a little bit extra out of these two that we haven't seen so far this season. It's so amazing that he's what kind a goal of from Son. Been a bit part player for so long, isn't it? Because when he does play and on his day, he he's is mustard. he is fantastic. Yeah. 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 He's a great addition. Who's your other hero? Uh, my other hero is Marcus Rashford. Again, a player absolutely brimming with confidence. And the way that he played against Manchester City, you could tell it meant a lot to mm-hmm. him. And, and there's been a lot of hopes that have been pinned on Marcus Rashford over the last few seasons, particularly with the United's failures. Um, the likes of Lukaku and Pogba um, and Sanchez were all scapegoated. Pogba's been injured. Obviously, the other two have left. So Rashford really has been the one taking the stick from United fans when things haven't been going too well. He isn't the most natural finisher in the world, but you can't say he doesn't try because he gave everything in that Manchester City game. And now he's full of confidence with club and country. He's already beaten his record for the best season in his career, so he's doing brilliantly well. And the one moment that epitomised his performance for me was, um, I think Martial was playing with the ball on the right-hand side and Rashford started the move from inside his own half and he completely burned past Bernardo Silva to try and get on the end of the move. He, he ended up taking a first-time shot and he got it horribly wrong. It went wide past the post. Um, but just the desire to get from inside his own half into the Manchester City box at just the speed of light was absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, R- Rashford, my other hero, um, to be part of a, a Manchester United side. That's seems... Beating City in a derby when City at the moment are by far the better of the two Manchester clubs. I think that, that speaks volumes about him and how he's playing at it the moment. It seems very important to Manchester United at the moment. That's, that's a bit of an obvious thing to say that an informed Marcus Rashford is important to Manchester United. But he's kind of representative of what's happening at the football club, I guess. And that young English... Yeah, I get this, but I've said this a couple of times this season and I still believe it. Manchester United are better when they don't have the majority of possession in a mm. game. So against the top six this season, they've been really good. Really good. They drew with Liverpool, the only mm. draw this season that Liverpool have had. And Liverpool are 32 games unbeaten. So that's that, you know, that even takes them doing to draw against Liverpool at this moment in time. They beat Chelsea on the first day. They beat Tottenham the other night when Jose returned. It seems that Manchester United, under Solskjaer, have just built this counter-attacking philosophy. Rashford, really quick. Martial's no slouch. Dan James, one of the fastest players in the league. They've got this real lightning pace on the counter. And that's how you can catch teams, much like Wolves caught Manchester City at the Etihad earlier this season when Traore scored those two goals. Manchester United did the same thing. When they're in possession, for instance, against the likes of Newcastle, when they dominated the ball, they lost 1-0 at St. James's Park. But then you compare it to a game like Leicester at Old Trafford, where Leicester had the majority of the ball, and United beat them 1-0 at Old Trafford. Mm. And that's just how the, the United seems to be playing at the moment. You think about the other teams they've drawn with recently, Villa and Sheffield United. It's not been great for them when they've not had the ball, um, you know, because they're, they're expected by some clubs to have the majority of the ball. I think it, whether it boils down to a respect thing or not, I don't know whether teams come to Old Trafford and think, oh, it was Manchester United, we're still going to sit back a little bit. But I, don't I, just, anymore. <laughs> I don't, but I just think that when Manchester United don't have the ball, they are the better team. Let's keep it on strikers then. I'll nominate my hero for the weekend because I'm going Jamie Vardy, who is a player that I have written off consistently for the last three seasons and gone, <laughs> expected it to all come crashing down at some point and to go back to the quality of his Fleetwood days. And he just seems to do it again and again and again. Eighth goal of the season. No, sorry, eighth goal in a row. Yeah. Eighth goal in consecutive games this weekend just gone. 
and it looks like he might even break his previous record that he got during the title season, mm. the 11 goals in 11 mm. games. I just think he's in the form of his life and potentially if there is going to be any type of title challenge from Leicester this season, I think we're a way off calling that at the moment. I think they're still slightly off the pace when it comes to getting anywhere near Liverpool, but it's much of the credit's got to go down to him. Him, James Madison, Brendan Rodgers are kind of like the the holy trio there yeah. doing the thing. So Jamie Vardy needs a lot of credit, I think. Fair enough. Yeah, he's um they've got to keep him fit though, haven't they? It, what I mean, Anacho has been good. The I mean his pass for one of the Leicester goals at the weekend was brilliant, Anacho. Mm. And then the other day as well midweek he was he was really good and he obviously scored as well at the weekend. I just don't think he's as good as Vardy. And if they lose Vardy to whatever reason, um, they've got Perez in there as well, who's playing yeah. slightly further back. He's not really that out-and-out striker and doesn't no. offer the same as Vardy offers. So if he does, if any, yeah. I mean, Leicester City have got one of those teams that if any serious injuries happen to any of their key players, they're suddenly going to struggle. Mm. We they're, talk about Vardy, but, you know, his wife's still a grass. So. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Steve, who's your hero from the weekend? Uh, OK, my, my hero from the weekend, rather surprisingly, is Duncan Ferguson. Hey, uh, that is a surprise. After, after what he, he achieved. And, and points I made earlier on, you know, the vibe, the atmosphere, the thumbs up from Mashiri and Ken right at the end mm. of it, the, the running along the touchline, celebrating Everton goals, mm. um, him on the pitch at the other side, you know, going to the Gladys Street end and getting him going. I, I just love all that. Uh, and we've got a manager of a similar ilk. You know, he, he does a lot of that. And I think massive relief for Everton and a good result against a, a you know a decent side so I, I'm going to say Duncan Ferguson they, 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 there's a rebuilding job going on at Everton we've, we've hammered them on the podcast last week for the state even we had a guy on from uh, I can't remember the name of the Everton podcast but and he made some really good points and I thought spoke really well on it as well and um, to get someone doing all that I was like wow it's actually quite impressive seeing him do it and you know Goodison was rocking and like I said I don't think the energy can be sustained I don't think the intensity on the pitch because Everton come out like a bullet didn't they on yeah. on Saturday mm. ahead through Richarlison after what five minutes was it something like that and I just think it was I don't know whether I'm going kind of soft in my old age but <laughs> uh, I just I felt a little bit of getting there you know when he did it is there a do risk you- that if like he does really well over the next three, four games. I'm sure he'd like... I don't know if he's said as much, but I'm sure he'd like the job full time. Of course time. he would, but every manager does that. But they? Hayden Mullins came out and said he wanted the Watford job. But we see... Uh, like, we, come on. We saw what happened with Solskjaer at Manchester United, that he was brought in on a temporary basis. It went well. 13 Better games, than yeah. expected for 13 games. Got the gig and then it all fell apart. Everton don't really want to get caught up in the same Well, they're in a relegation situation. battle, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that's the problem that Everton have got. United weren't in a relegation battle, no. so almost could have a roll of the dice, couldn't they? Say, well, let's just see how well he gets on. And Solskjaer's first 13 games, I'm not saying they were easy, but they were certainly very winnable. And I think that's the argument that was made yesterday on the podcast. I said, why didn't they just sack Silver before the Liverpool game? And they could have had this new Duncan Ferguson you know, atmosphere, this new manager bounce, the, the cliche bell ready. Um, uh, you know, exactly before the, the Liverpool thing, game, they yeah. could have had it then. But yeah. again, at the same time, if they would have got a tapping off Liverpool anyway, which I think they probably would have done, they would have got a dust in, then, you know, the vibes even you more nose diving, you know, I mean, so Everton, you say, are in a relegation battle. I presume the whole city of Liverpool wants Everton to stay up. As much as Liverpool fans enjoy revelling in Everton's misfortune, I think losing that Merseyside derby every season that's a big blow for the city of Liverpool I it think. is I, I'm not a, a bitter fan you know I'm, I'm not one of these who comes out and 
absolutely canes them on my Facebook and my Instagram and stuff like that. I'll have a little joke now and again yeah, about course, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I think that, you know, I've got a lot of family that are Everton fans, obviously, and I think, you know, they are suffering at the minute and I've suffered for, for a good while now. <laughs> and I think as long as we beat them handsomely twice a year, I don't care, you know, <laughs> if they're in the Premier League, you know, right. I don't want them to be relegated. No. Um, I think I'd like them to suffer, though, and, you know, be kind of bottom half, mm. but we just we just tank them a couple of times a year. And I think the Premier League needs, looking at it from a business point of view, needs the biggest clubs around and the, sure. the historical clubs, and Everton are a mm. massive club. You know, they've got a lot of history. You know, obviously, they've got exciting plans. They've mm. just got, a, that's why this appointment is so crucial for them and why when we're kind of seeing Sky Sports News informing us that Emery's being approached but he wants a little bit of time to think about it it's like it's the wrong move guys you're just repeating the same mistakes over yeah. and over again mm. and the definition of it, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result yes. and that's what Everton will do because they're going to spend a lot of money in January again well not a load but they're going to spend in January whoever comes in let's move on to villains for the weekend then who's going to nominate first on this one Pep Guardiola Pep Guardiola yeah why because he's a spineless <laughs> fur weather moaning Miserable bastard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you want to qualify that in any way? Or is it just a oh, I, I, Well, you know what I can do because we were going to talk about Pep Guardiola anyway in the comments that he said that Man City yeah. can't compete with can't compete with the elite. So if you're happy for us to move into those waters, I can do. All but right, if well, you want to kind of hang fire on all it, all right, we're going we're to do that in a minute. So we'll come to that in a minute. You can justify your personal attack on Pep Guardiola <laughs> shortly. <laughs> Niall. In that case, then, I'll stay with Everton. Um, I've got two villains from the same game, one Everton, one Chelsea. And people might say, why are you picking Dominic Calvert-Lewin as your villain, mm. even though he played well for Everton? I'm picking him as my villain because on his Instagram, <laughs> he posted a picture of him lifting his shirt up and kissing the Everton badge. And obviously, underneath his shirt was his torso. He thought he would post it on his Instagram. Mm. What he didn't think is that other people use the internet and he didn't realise that if he photoshopped a six-pack onto himself, <laughs> that nobody would notice. Well, I'm sorry, Dominic. Everyone noticed. <laughs> and now you've been made to look an absolute bellend. So that is what's happened. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, you're my villain for photoshopping a six-pack onto yourself after scoring your goal versus Chelsea. If it's not him that's done it, well, he's got very good Photoshop skills if it is. It was quite good. Um, thought, someone's yeah. done it for him. I've not seen it. Oh, oh it's, a, it's embarrassing, the, Steve. It's embarrassing. social on Twitter, Steve. <laughs> You'll oh, see that. Okay, I will do when it, in the break. It is incredible and it, it's very well Photoshopped. But, I mean, if you're a professional footballer, you've got a pretty decent physique anyway, haven't you? Right, final villain is kind of an obvious one for me, but it's not going to be, although it is connected to the guy in the Manchester City crowd who is alleged to have made rest- racist gestures mm. towards Fred during the derby. Fred took a corner. There was mm. supposedly racist gestures. I'm saying supposedly because there's potential criminal investigation underway at the moment and he has denied making any racist comments. But I think that section of the crowd in general, the fact that coins and lighters were thrown onto the pitch by multiple people, not just this one fella, absolutely no place for it in football. But the villain I'm going to, or the villains I'm going to pick on is the people that are criticising Raheem Sterling off the back of this by saying that he should have taken some kind of action on the pitch when he saw this racist behaviour happening because he has previously taken a stand against racism. He should have, I don't know what, dove into the crowd windmilling or something like that. I I don't know what the suggestion is, but to give a man who has suffered racist abuse himself on the pitch stick for not getting involved and not getting stuck into that scenario, it seems a little 
It just seems a little strange to me. And I, think I don't know what people, ex- you know, don't know what people expect him to do. Like you say, you know, is he, is he going to kind of walk off the pitch in disgust or something like that? He's, you yeah. know, he's probably not going to do that because he's a professional footballer and his team are currently getting beat by by the city rivals. And I think it's he's he's under attack because obviously he's very much an advocate of of you know the kick it out campaign and, yeah. and racism being removed from football, which in itself is a whole different podcast for us. You know mm. what I mean? No place for it in football and Absolutely stop behaving not. like bellends. Essentially, that's what you need to do. Right, we're going to come back in a minute. We're going to hear Steve have a personal character attack on Pep Guardiola, and we're going to talk about West Ham versus Arsenal tonight's Monday night football game. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. I'm Jim Nile and Steve are here as well. We're going to talk about West Ham versus Arsenal, the final game of the Premier League weekend. Two teams that were supposed to be competing in similar ends of the league this season and two teams that had high ambitions going into the season, but two teams that have been undoubtedly absolutely shambolic so far in the Premier League. I mean, it's kind of a case of this game of looking at it and going, who is going to mess this up worse (laughs) and thus lose the game, isn't it? I've got no faith in either team doing anything impressive to win, essentially. There should be goals because neither team can defend. Mm. That's the most you can say about it, really. It's staggering to think the position that they're both in, really. I think... You know, West Ham probably, uh, you know, if we're going to be honest about it, are more likely to be in that position than Arsenal are, you know, across the season. But it's just this, this being wrong decisions made at every step of the journey this season, I think, for West Ham and Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal, we could, we, you know, I could wax lyrical about for, for a long time, but, you know, worst winless run, you know, since 1977, I believe, you know, in, in the top years, league, yeah. 42 Nine years. games without a win now, which Nine, is a crazy you know, thing to say no, for a team no, like Arsenal. No clean sheets in 11 games. I mean, I think the last uh, win was against Vitor Gumaresh, wasn't it, in the Europa League on in, in October, something like that. And that was a 90th minute winner from Mustafi, I think, wasn't it? Or it was wasn't Pepe it? got was the two Pepe? free kicks, wasn't oh, was it? it? Yeah, Sorry. and it's just, you know, from the handling of the Unai Emery to kind of, you know, the, the inability to get a new manager in, and having what we think are two genuinely world-class players on, mm. uh, maybe Lacazette isn't world-class, but he's certainly elite level, um, and just a, a you know a defence that can't keep clean sheets, a goalkeeper that's, who I think is a goalkeeper, a good goalkeeper, but he's left permanently exposed by defenders switching off. And he made some great saves against Norwich City. Yeah, he, I really like him. Which I know Norwich City shouldn't be causing you that many problems. Scoring goals, isn't he? You know, what's the other the young lad they've got? Cantwell is it? Yeah, uh, you know he's, he's he's a really handy player, and I just think Arsenal, like I've said on the podcast before, it, it, it's a mentality thing. You know they've got to get. I think the best best signing Arsenal could probably make if they've not got one is getting a sports psychologist in to try and get much better out of them players. Because when I talk about people like Meza Ozil and I do it, is he a talented footballer? Yes, he is. You know the likes of Torreira is a, is a talented footballer, but we're just not getting the maximum out of them players on the pitch and getting what other teams get out of their squads. And I think that's the biggest challenge that Arsenal have got, along mm. with an unrealistic fan base, really, about who I think are a little bit deluded about where they think they should, they should be in the league. And, you know, they're going to West Ham tonight and you think, will they get a result tonight? Probably not. You know, I think, which probably means they will if you're going to put a bet on. <laughs> but, I, you know, I can just see it being kind of like something like two all tonight. You know, mm. mistakes central. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> You know, and, and us kind of having you know more chats this week on a podcast about some cataclysmic 
you know, error that someone's made. It feels like it's when you're talking about Arsenal that you're going over the same old cliches again and again and again. The bing, idea, bing. The, yeah, the idea they can't defend, they ding, look scared of the ball, ding, they ding. try and walk the ball into the net. They ding, have talented that's the players. Best one. Yeah. They don't, oh, the Arsenal try and walk but, the ball in the net, don't they? <laughs> Can shoot, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but they do it. It's, it's not. Well, I don't know. If it, is it cliche or not? Because it's a hundred percent true. And all these things that have been part of Arsenal's DNA for the last decade now, um, they're not. They seem incapable of fixing them. Firstly, I want to say: Does this count as the Freddie Lindbergh derby? Because I forgot entirely oh. that he played for West Ham <laughs> for a season. Well. I remembered that just before we started and if, recording. If there was ever a podcast that was. I forgot he played for them. Yeah. He would be on it because I totally forgot that Freddie Lundberg played for West Ham for a season. What I would say is, interestingly, your comment about the last decade coincides with when Arsenal moved to the Emirates Stadium. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Highbury was a difficult place to go. It was a pokey old ground. It was mm. small. Boxed it was tight. It reminds pitch. me of Selhurst Park. reminds me of Fratton Park. It was... I think a real hidden weapon for Arsenal in their days under Wenger when they were George a Graham really well, good yeah. team. Yeah. And I think Arsenal have lost that edge. That little bit of edge they had back in the day when they were competing with the likes of Manchester United. I don't know, it was 20 years ago now nearly. But they've lost that. And I think going to the Emirates, Arsenal were just too nice. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're too nice a club. It's a nice ground. It's a nice club to be a part of. It's a nice place to live. It's It's all a little bit just too nice I kind of get what you're and saying and I think that there needs to be some sort of nastiness in there and then they've got someone nasty in Jacker, but he's just not very good so the fans get on his back so I just think that there's something about Arsenal it's just too friendly and too you know everything's so lovely and I just think Arsenal they need a bit of a bit of grit and a bit of grunge in there. They need they need something like just Patrick to kind Vieira. of get things back again. Yeah, it's just, they need some proper proper nasty, nasty horrible yeah. players. It's what they need. I think that move to the Emirates is as much to do. Not I mean, a modern stadium does change the atmosphere of a football club, and we've seen it time and time again for different clubs. But also the lack of investment that went into the team around that move in order to fund yeah. the stadium. Move. Yeah, well, and that's why Wenger did such a good job keeping him in the top four for so long. But I will caveat that with Arsenal's record at the Emirates is generally fantastic. They are a very, very good home team. Over the years, you'll see, they very, very rarely lose at home. But there's just something about Arsenal away from home. They just can't get the job done. I don't know what it is. But again, I just feel that even though they are good at home at the Emirates, I feel that they just lack some sort of just nastiness and toughness. Steel, absolutely. I think they're just lacking it somewhere. Um, I'm not sure where. As for tonight, West Ham will be hopeful they can get a result. But again, one win in 10 for West Ham. Jack Wilshere might be back. Maybe he might be one to watch. Um, Fabianski. <laughs> no, he won't be because um, Winston- it's not 2004. <laughs> 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 to be honest, against his old club, you know Jack Wilshere what he's like. He'll have one unbelievable performance a season. This could be it tonight. <laughs> this if is the plays, one. Yeah. If he plays. Winston Reid's nearing a comeback. Lanzini's still out. Fabianski's still out till 2020. Snodgrass was off uh, with injury at the weekend for West Ham. Things are just not looking good at the moment. Mikel Antonio could make his first start of the season since August for West Ham. Which would be a major boost. Which would be a big boost because for me, and I struggle struggle to look at West Ham and go, what exactly has gone wrong this season? And try and work out where the very promising season that I was looking at in May kind of dissipated and disintegrated around West Ham's ears. But for me, part of it is complete lack of pace in that midfield. Mm. And even up front, and Mikel Antonio does offer a little bit of direct running, a little bit of pace, which West Ham desperately need, and he can make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a fan of Antonio's. You know, he, he does come on, and the game he come on against recently against uh, Tottenham, 
Uh, he was the one who kind of rolled his sleeves up and got stuck in, and he had a transformational effect on that game. I think what's funny, for, for looking at it from an outsider point of view, West Ham are actually closer than what Arsenal are. They don't need to do what Arsenal need to do. It's tweaks, I think, with West Ham. Yes, you've got obviously Sullivan and Gold running the club and mm. Karen Brady, uh, you know, <laughs> cracking the whip on a daily basis. But, uh, you know, the manager, could you change the manager? Probably. Uh, you know, but it doesn't feel like, whereas Arsenal, you've got to start again with Arsenal. Mm. You know, it's a complete rebuild at Arsenal, I think, at the minute. Because how long before, you know, Ober, you know, gets himself off and, and says, mean, yeah. you know, yeah. says, I want to start. I know what you mean. It's, like, where it's like, like buying a house with dry rot compared to a buying a house that just needs... Building. Pulling down and rebuilding. Yeah, I, I yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and and I think there's some funny decisions being made at, at West Ham. Roberto getting a running goal was disastrous mm. uh, because, like we said, I think we've run a poll recently on the podcast for worst goalkeepers in the in the Premier League, and it, I think he was up there. Um, you know, Lanzini <laughs> is a massive miss. You know, Antonio's being injured. He's coming back. Fabianski is, is a huge miss. I think selling Chikorito was a mistake. I would have yeah. kept him around. Selling all four or five of your strikers in one window. I'm not replacing. It's, it's yeah. never going to go it's, well. It's never going to. So, but the th- with West Ham, it just feels like the, these little things that are going on are fixable. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like I say, with Arsenal, it's like, where do you start? You know what yeah. I mean? And um, I just think that I'd sooner be a West Ham fan than an Arsenal fan at the minute. I think it's easy to overlook the fact there's just three points between these two teams yeah Arsenal are only four points above the relegation zone that's how congested the Premier League is West Ham dropped to 16th with their uh, with their defeat they're on 16 points but if they win they're up to 19 points which is level with Brighton level with Arsenal so they could actually go level with Arsenal and if Arsenal win they go to eighth yeah so I mean <laughs> the, the table's just completely topsy-turvy at this moment in time it's so close down there everyone's beating everyone yeah if you if you look at the the table on the premier league website there's lots of green w's and lots of red l's it's like an episode of ready steady cook mm. people you know holding up the green <laughs> green peppers and red tomatoes well done for getting um, that yeah. <laughs> comparing football to ready steady cook i don't think anyone's ever said that before now they have green and um, reds <laughs> but like i say west ham yeah they're just one win away or two a win and a draw two good results away from being you know, temporarily safe. It's just an absolute madness down there. As I keep on saying, if West Ham can limp through until January and the return of Fabianski and potentially a little bit of investment in the January transfer window, I think they'll be fine this season, but they need to get that far. Yeah, I agree. Right, let's finish off with Steve's going to town on Pep Guardiola. He nominated him as his villain of the weekend. This is largely because of Pep Guardiola's Quote, I guess, after the uh, the derby. Steve, here's what you said earlier about Pep Guardiola. Pep Guardiola. He's a spineless, <laughs> fur-weather, moaning, miserable bastard. <laughs> <laughs> now, I assume that was due to the comment he made after the Manchester United game that weekend. Do you want the comment in full? Yeah, go on. Please. It's a little bit weird from a team that was so dominant over the last two seasons. So he said, Manchester United have the quality to defend and the quality to attack on the counter-attack. And you have to accept that. This is the level we face against Liverpool, Manchester United, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus. They are teams we have to face. And the reality is maybe we are not now to compete with them. It's broken English. Maybe we need to accept the reality now and improve. Essentially, Guardiola says, his Manchester City team can't compete with the best in Europe. Should we feel any sympathy for Guardiola at all? No, I don't. I don't feel sorry for Guardiola at all. I think, like you say, broken English. Um, I think Pep cleverly plays on that sometimes. 
think Emery used to do that a lot as well when he was Arsenal manager, play on the fact that English wasn't his first language. Um, there were rumours that Emery, when he didn't like a question, would just start mumbling in Spanish and <laughs> kind of the reporter would just go on to the next question. Good evening. Good evening. Yeah, <laughs> that sort of thing, yeah. Um, I think Pep at this moment in time is right. I don't think Manchester City can compete. But he's at this moment blame. in time, Surely that's the key. This minute, to blame. at this minute, if they can't beat Manchester United or get a result against Manchester United, then they can't. They're not going to beat Juventus or Real Madrid or... But with a fully fit squad and with, you know, the confidence that he instills in his players, in the Champions League, they should be able to compete. Maybe that is actually mm. a bit of reverse psychology from Pep. And he's gone, right, with that defeat, our title charge is over. Liverpool or Leicester, depending on if something freaky happens, will win the title. So I think Pep knows that now. And maybe he's just using that. And because Juventus and Real Madrid and all the European clubs would have seen this result and gone, oh, Manchester City are struggling. But they're still in the Champions League. And they know that they, that Pep wants to win the Champions League. He's not won it for years. Mm. He wants to win it with Manchester City. The owners of Manchester City want to win it. I think the fans now really want to win the Champions League as well, even though they're very much disillusioned with UEFA. I think that might be a bit of reverse psychology from Pep, going, ah, oh, well, we're not very good. We're not going to beat these sides in the Champions League. And then they'll turn up and play Real Madrid and they'll turn them over. I think that's classic Pep Guardiola, what you're seeing here. I think he's finally let go of the coattails of Liverpool. I think he knows that that's gone, the title's gone. So I think he's focusing his attention inadvertent or sort of subconsciously on the Champions League or in a sort of psychological way, focusing his attentions on that and maybe backwardly sending a message to those European clubs that he's referenced. Do you agree with that, Steve? Do you think this is a little bit disingenuous from Guardiola? He's not meaning what he's saying. It's a bit of mind games. Um, you mean you might need to beat this, but f- cough, Pep. <laughs> Seriously, you know. <laughs> beat where do we start? Run right, out of yeah, first of all, Niall said quite a lot of the stuff that I was going to say anyway, oh, but sorry, never mind. Sorry, Steve. But uh, I'm going to take it with a, bit, a, bit, a different way with it. I don't feel any sympathy what, for him whatsoever. I like Pep Guardiola. I think he's been a breath of fresh air in the Premier League while he's been here. I think him and Jurgen Klopp. Uh, who obviously is for my team, have had a transformational effect on our league. And obviously I love them both being here for the time that we've got them. But when he comes out and says that uh, they can't match the elite clubs at the current time, uh, the level we face against Liverpool, United, Barcelona, Madrid and Juventus, um, yada, 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 we're not able to compete with them uh, now. You have a billion pound squad. You know, you are one of the greatest managers in world football. Your brief is to make Man City competitive and challenge for the major honours that are available. Mm. It is December. There is no titles won in December. Stranger things have happened. It wouldn't be beyond, you know, comprehension that Liverpool capitulate in the new year after the run of fixtures that they've had. You keep going and you keep challenging and you kind of keep motivating the squad mm. and saying the right things to them and saying, listen, lads, it's 14 points at the minute and it doesn't look good, but we're going to take every single game by a time, at a time because Liverpool and Leicester will inevitably drop points at some point and mm. that's when we can catch up. Liverpool are preoccupied going to Qatar for a jolly uh, to try and win the World Club Championship. This could be our time to really get a run going and you get into them players, but... You've spent astronomical sums of money on building a squad at Man City and the money will still be there for you to do it if you want to do it in January because you've, I think there was like four billion investment into the company, wasn't there, recently announced. Mm. Um, you were sure, you didn't like the fullbacks you had at Man City when you took over. You've spent over £200 million on fullbacks since. 
you've you've had injuries, and the narrative that Man City have been unlucky with injuries is bollocks because every other team's had injuries as well. West Ham, Liverpool have had injuries. You know, no no Allison for three months, Fabinho out for three months, etc. etc. You have built a squad that can cope when things like this happen. So don't come out with the small violin because you've been turned over by Man United at home. You've just got to accept they played really well and they sussed you out. Should Pep Guardiola actually? Is there an element of him being a little bit embarrassed about how his team have performed this season? Because, yeah, you say there have been injuries and they didn't replace company, so the injury to Laporte was magnified because they hadn't got anyone to step into defence. So Fernandinho's had to play into defence and you've had Rodri playing in that holding midfield role and he doesn't look quite at the races yet. So it's kind of, they have been unlucky, but at the same time, it's kind of bad luck of their own making. And Pep Guardiola's failure... To, to address those issues before they came issues almost. The only one you feel sorry for is Laporte because you can't legislate for a exactly. knee ligament injury. The others, it's their own mistakes. They've let company go. They didn't replace him. They had a chance to buy Johnny Evans. Why didn't they buy him? Didn't want to pay fifteen million for him. He's worth every penny. So he went He's to Leicester dead for three. Ex- dead experience. <laughs> three million. Dead experience player, and that's exactly what they've mm. lost in company. And for instance, as as good as Otamendi can be on his own and as good as Laporte is individually and Stones individually, they need an arm around the shoulder. And Gary, Ke- Gary Cahill was available on a free. Mm. Just have him in your ranks. as a He's English, so he counts towards well, the homegrown he, he, quota. He does the Vinnie Company thing, doesn't he? 100%. He, he's homegrown, so he counts towards the quota. He's cheap because he was on a free transfer. Go and get him. Just because he's unfashionable. Just because he's unfashionable. He's won everything with Chelsea. Everything. Champions League, two titles, or maybe even three titles in this decade, Gary Cahill. FA Cups, everything he's done. Done it with England, been to World Cups. Get him in. Why didn't they get him in? Why didn't they get Johnny Evans in? Manchester City have only got themselves to blame. If this is the end of Man City's dominance now, and it felt like it could go on forever. When Pep Guardiola first came to Man City, it felt like they were going to dominate for, for years, years yeah. to come. But if he leaves the clubs now, and he has been probably the most backed manager in the Premier League era, not just financially. In history, yeah. yeah not just financially, but in terms of the way the club has been built in his image and the, the training that went on, the way the youth team was developed before he even came to the club. They were playing his type of football. He's you'd have to say he's kind of underperformed at Manchester City despite the Centurion season, despite the two back-to-back titles. That's harsh. No Champions League. Harsh. I mean, I think there's an element of that this season because the way that they've they've been beaten by teams that shouldn't beat them in the Premier League obviously would suggest that. If he wins the Champions League this this season, all is forgiven, you know, because that's the big one. And for for City to be Champions of Europe is is the one they want more than anything. But like, like I reiterate, you know, you cannot spend have a billion pound squad and spend that level of cash and cry about injuries if you've not, you know, put a strategy in place to cope for what will inevitably happen mm. over a long season. Like Lyle says, sign Gary Cahill. You know, he might get six games a season, but he's in the ranks, you know, to do yeah, it. You just look at Liverpool, and but, the reason they've been so successful this season is they have two teams. Did they you get Ma- two first 11s. Did you get Matip on a free? From Schalke, yeah. You know, I mean, how much would Joel Matip? Cost you now. I mean, well, there we go. <laughs> Fifty million. But what I will say though is, when Pep Guardiola leaves the Premier League, end of the season, he can have no debate or discussion about whether the Premier League is the most difficult league in Europe. No discussion. Not having it. If he says anything other than that, he's a liar. 
because he's found out firsthand just how difficult the Premier League is. Mm. His first season in Manchester was a bit of a struggle, then he got things going again. He didn't exactly hit the ground running at City. As Steve mentioned, he brought in a new goalkeeper, ousted Hart, and then brought in the two fullbacks as well. And then he's obviously had a brilliant run of it since then where he's been absolutely fantastic. And now he's just starting to see that when things are bad in the Premier League, they can go really bad. Look at Arsenal, look at Everton, look at Watford. Look at, Man these, United. look at the Manchester United, look at these clubs. It's not an easy thing to keep yourself going and motivated in the Premier League. It is the toughest league in the world, Without in my opinion. Doubt. So in, in terms of top flight football anyway, I mean, people could argue like, you know, the championship's difficult and every league's difficult. But in terms of top division football in Europe and across the world, the Premier League's the hardest. And I don't think Pep can have any doubt after what he's been through, particularly this season so far, that you know, that the Premier League's the most difficult. What you just talked about the Premier League and how difficult it is because he's not had this word, it's been as relentless as it is. The Premier League is relentless. Like you say, I agree, it's the hardest league in the world to win, I think, because if you look around Europe, it's mainly two or three teams that are fighting out. Well, you know. Last season's a prime example, 98 points or whatever it was, 97 points and not winning the league. That doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. Do not t- try and tell me that happens anywhere else. And no one's arguing that the Premier League isn't. I'm just trying to stress the importance of... I think Pep Guardiola has found out just how difficult the Premier League is. And as Steve used the word relentless, Leicester, they've won, what, seven, eight in a row now? Eight on the bounce now. Liverpool, unbeaten in 32. Wolverhampton Wanderers, unbeaten in 11. This is the Premier League. Absolutely. Pep Guardiola's finding out the hard way just how difficult it is. And, you know, he's into his fourth season now. And nothing lasts forever, does it? You know, you do get these little kind of periods in time where they are so dominant, but all good things come to an end. You know, and, and I think, you know, are we starting to see the, the beginning of this? Or will he pick City up from the place that they're at, certainly in the league, and, and go, right, we have got to be perfect between now and May. Mm. You know, we cannot afford one single slip up. And even after this season, next season, there'll be an Unai Emery powered Everton <laughs> challenging for the well, you title. Know, if Pep, I think if Pep doesn't win the Champions League this season, I think he'll go in summer. I think he'll go in the summer anyway. I think he'll just probably say, I've had, I've had four years here, had a wonderful time, been really successful, but it's time for him to have a sabbatical or go and do something else. Next project. Right, that is it for Football Social Daily. Steve, Noel, thank you very much. Cheers. Jim. We will see you next time. Make sure you click subscribe so you get the next episode as soon as it's ready. And if you've got an Amazon Alexa, you can get daily news updates and match reports on your team like the Arsenal versus West Ham game this evening for example all you need to do is search Sports Social in the Alexa store or say Alexa enable Sports Social and you'll be able to find that we'll see you next time Football Social Daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode Okay round two name something that's not boring a Laundry Ooh a book club Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.